Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you, as always, by InsideThePenguins.com, a proud affiliate of the Hockey News. My name is Nick Berlansky, joined, as always, by Nick Horwat. We have a good show for you guys today. The Penguins finally graced us with some news, and I know I talked about it yesterday on Penguins to Go, but we'll kick off today's episode talking about the three PTOs that the Pittsburgh Penguins signed on Wednesday morning. And then, of course, we're going to talk about a former Pittsburgh Penguin, a two-time Stanley Cup champion that is calling it quits, not necessarily of his own volition, but calling it quits nonetheless. And then, Let's talk some international hockey, Horwat, because it's the last day of August. We're going to get ready to get into September, which means hockey is right around the corner. And who loves, I mean, there's nothing more to love than international hockey. I mean, you love to watch best on best. It's been seven years since we've seen a true best on best tournament. So we'll talk about that in the latter half of the show. But before we get to that, Horwat, Thomas Tatar was not one of the PTOs the Penguins signed yesterday, was he? No, he was not. I said somewhere along the lines, somewhere along the way of the last month of the longer it goes on, I feel like the less likely it'll be. Yeah. Uh, that's just my thought of it. Um, just because he's, he deserves far more than just a regular PTO. I mean, maybe the longer it goes on, the less likely it's going to be a PTO. I think if anything, the longer it goes on, it'll he'll be earning a contract and it won't be here. It'll be somewhere else. Mm. Uh, I think that's the cut and dry of it. Truthfully. I think, uh, I, I, there haven't been any significant updates that I can recall no. or remember, um, but as far as I am concerned, I would say the Penguins just aren't interested anymore, and things have just kind of moved on, and we're going in a new direction. We have a camp roster to start worrying about, hence <laughs> these three PTO signings uh, that we will discuss soon enough. Yeah, uh, and listen... I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum as you. I think the longer it goes, the more likely it is to be a PTO because I think all his contract options are out there and I don't think anybody's, you know, falling over themselves to say, listen, Thomas Tatar is the best free agent available, but nobody's falling over themselves. Nobody is stopping their offseason progression, especially at this stage of the offseason, to wait on a Thomas Tatar signing. I mean, yeah, the Penguins signed three PTOs, but at the end of the day, it's non-consequential to, you know, whether or not Thomas Tatar signs in Pittsburgh. But uh, I I tend to disagree, but hey, that's the, the good thing about this forum. We don't have to agree on things. Uh, I would say the longer and the closer it gets to training camp, the more likely it is that Tatar ends up signing a PTO rather than a regular contract. But let's talk about the players that the Penguins actually signed to a PTO, which is a professional tryout contract. Forward Austin Wagner, who played most of his NHL career with the LA Kings, was traded to the Chicago Blackhawks, played a handful of games there last season. Also, Libor Hayek and Mark Pesic joined the Pittsburgh Penguins, those two being defensemen. Horwat, pretty cut and dry question here. Will more than one of these three play for the Penguins next season at all? Uh, I don't know. I don't think more than one of them will play. I bet one of them has a real good chance of making the lineup. I bet a second one also is at least going to push a bunch of guys. He might. I mean, you can still earn an AHL contract out of this. I bet yeah. maybe that's what happens with one of them. And as for the third one, I think it is back to the free agency board with you. Uh, those, I mean, maybe that sounds a little harsh, but that's just the way <laughs> I looked at the three. No job for you. Unemployed. Yeah, Pretty much, <laughs> but that's just the way I looked at those three coming in. Um, and to keep it in easy order, Mark Pissick has the easiest chance of cracking this lineup. I mean, he put Chad Ruedel in a spot. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, I mean, yeah, there's more options than Chad Ruweedle. Ty Smith floats around there. Uh, Will Butcher, and I'm missing the last one. Mark, Mark Friedman. Friedman. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, those, all three of those guys are... Their seats got a little warmer uh, whenever Mark Pissick was signed. As for Libor Hayek, eh, I just don't see that one working out. And Austin Wagner, truthfully, he there's too much of a surplus of forwards on this Penguins team right now to have a guy like Austin Wagner really battle for a spot. But I could totally see him earning an AHL contract out of this here because mm-hmm. he's got the pedigree of you know consistency in... The NHL, for the most part, yeah. There's when you're young and not fulfilling your um, expectations, you know, you're gonna get canned eventually. But I think for Wagner, he could be a decent uh, player to put in the AHL and then maybe rework and figure out possible NHL contract next season. Mm-hmm. Um, he's still young. All you know, there. A lot of people consider these guys veterans. Uh, sure, I guess for some of them, uh, Austin Wagner's a young dude. Uh, Libor Hayek's a young dude. Mark Pissick's 31, mm-hmm. I think. I mean, he's the most veteran, veteranized one here. Uh, and even that's on this team. Kind of young. <laughs> yeah, on this team, that is kind of young. Um, the last PTO of note that ended up becoming a player that got an actual contract and played a major role for the Pittsburgh Penguins was Brian Boyle a few seasons back. And we all remember how great that story was seeing him make the team out of camp and then playing over 50 games for the Penguins in that season and being uh, a really actually impressive member of the Penguins fourth line. Everybody remembers the between the legs goal that he was able to score in an absolute blowout for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But the only player I agree with you that I see being similar to that or having the ceiling similar to that this season is Mark Pesek. And he is coming off an Achilles injury, and that is a tough injury specifically for a defenseman to try to come back from. So we'll see what he's able to you know, do in training camp, how healthy he actually is coming off of a year where he missed the entire season, and if he can really return to what was a pretty solid career as a defensive defenseman, especially as a depth defenseman in the National Hockey League, over 10 seasons in the NHL. So you're getting a lot of veteran presence when it comes to Mark Pesek. The other two... It's a change of scenery, an opportunity, a fresh start. And we all know that Kyle Dubas wants to make the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins a competitive team. And he wants to get as many NHL caliber players in the AHL as well as the NHL as possible. So maybe you do see a Libor Hayek or an Austin Wagner sign an AHL contract. I wouldn't be surprised if all three get a contract with the Penguins, but I would be surprised to see if all three make the team out of camp. I would be surprised to see if more than one makes the team out of camp, to be completely honest. So... Yeah, I would say Mark Pesic is the guy I'm keeping my eyes on the most, but it'll be interesting to see, especially because you mentioned how young Hayek and Wagner are, it'll be interesting to see what they do with a new opportunity in a new city. Yeah, it'll be quite, it'll be intriguing because the, the camp battles were already going to be pretty loaded and pretty stacked and full of full of names to watch and keep an eye on. Um, all this does is add three more. That's three more to the fire. Uh you know, Hayek, yeah, he may not make the roster, but what he's at least going to do is push P.O. Joseph to be the better, to be a better version of himself. And we already saw some pretty good, some pretty good play out of him last year. Um, Austin Wagner joins a group of forwards that, I mean, Kyle Dubas already said waivers might be possible for some guys, and it's not, you know, extremely likely he makes the team because, like I said, of that depth that is already there. Uh, but he adds to that fire. He adds to that fight. 
And then Mark Pissick just makes everything, uh, on the right side at least, quite interesting. Because that's a legitimate player who can legitimately make this team. Yeah, uh, and it's going to be obviously an interesting training camp. We've outlined it several times that there's going to be more competition in this training camp than we've seen in the past five seasons at least, right? There's there's several spots open. There's some spots that are seemingly fulfilled, but there's a chance that it, it, it's not you know it's not written in stone. Uh, there's a chance that somebody could come up and surprise and take that spot. So it'll be fun to watch these three. I'm not sure. Kyle Dupas is done with PTOs because he he wants more competition. I think you could see him probably bring in maybe another center option as a PTO. Yes, Thomas Tatar, as we, we started this podcast talking about him, he's still an option out there, and we haven't heard anything, so he might be an option for the Pittsburgh Penguins still. We'll have to wait and see on that one. But I do think you're going to see at least one more center brought in um, on a PTO. And, and if not, I mean doesn't matter there's plenty of centers that are going to be at penguins camp but i i think somebody to push achari somebody to push jeff carter somebody to push lars eller would be nice to to add at least on a pto basis but from talking about players that are getting another opportunity in the nhl to a player that was having his opportunity taken away and that is former pittsburgh penguin two-time stanley cup champion carl Hagelin, because he was forced to retire after more complications with his eye injury that cost him last season he mentioned on his post on instagram that it is too severe for him to return to hockey he retires with 713 games played 110 goals 296 points horwat when i say the name carl Hagelin, what is the first thing that springs to mind two-time stanley cup champion uh, it's what he is above all else he is he was part of that back-to-back team um and was a huge part of it even if the you know we looked at his numbers before and we talked about a possible pto signing with him the offensive numbers aren't totally there but there's something there was something about him every time that uh, you noticed him on the ice whether it was his speed or his uh defensive ability um he was a well-rounded player that was extremely useful and extremely tidy on his in all over the ice for uh, for that Penguins team and fit that system really well, especially in, the, in Mike Sullivan's early years where they did rely a lot on the offense and just he was a ton of fun to watch play it too. It's uh, it sucks seeing his career go down like this, um, but at the same time it's uh, he'll always be remembered as a two-time champion and that's what matters the most. More so than being a two-time champion, I I see him as the forgotten member of the HBK line. Everybody remembers Benito Mm -hmm. because he scored that obviously historic goal that is now painted on a mural in PPG Paints Arena. Obviously, everybody knows Phil Kessel because he is the character Phil Kessel, but Carl Hagelin was the glue that held that line together. I mean, the speed to put opposing defenses off balance, the ability of his to be able to find players. I know he, he wasn't known as a great facilitator. He wasn't known as a great finisher, and he wasn't a great finisher. Certainly finished well enough in the playoffs against the Penguins when he was a member of the New York Rangers. But um, when he was with the Penguins, two massive moments. He was mm-hmm. on the ice and integral to that Nick Benino goal in game six that sent the Washington Capitals home in 2016. And he scored the empty netter that was the dagger in the heart for the Nashville Predators in game six of the 2017 finals. I still remember him turning, skating up the ice with his hand to his ear, a la Hulk Hogan, just basically putting that series to rest and putting the fifth Stanley Cup in the Penguins trophy case. So obviously, I'm someone that you know 
Listeners of the show know I'm somebody that was a huge Carl Hagelin fan. I'm probably one of very few Penguins fans that still have a Carl Hagelin jersey hanging up in their in their closet. I wore that to game six whenever I went to PPG Paints Arena in 2017 to watch it on the Jumbotron. I was wearing the Carl Hagelin jersey, but, you know, unfortunate that his career has to come to an end at this way. But what a career it was. Somebody that really made his bones being a great locker room presence as well as a great player on the ice. Yeah, if you wanted the numbers, that 16 run, he yeah, that 2016 run, he had 16 points, six goals, 10 assists, fifth on the team in scoring, and on the team in scoring for that uh, playoff run. That's insane. That is insane. That is such a good stat line for a playoff run for a guy that is not considered to be an offensive player. Benito had 18. Yeah, that line was wild because, and obviously the team was led in the postseason by Phil Kessel with 22. That was our third line, guys. That was our third line that season, that playoffs. Um, following year, I forget exactly how much he put up. I don't think the numbers were exactly the same. Um, no. But 15 games, only two goals. Mm. How about that? Well, to be fair, he wasn't playing with Phil Kessel that year. Yeah. And it was Haglin, Hornquist, and Benino for most of it, and then Benino broke his foot. Yeah, so if, I, if I'm remembering correctly, Haglin was hurt for, I believe, the beginning of that postseason, if not like the middle. I mean, yeah. we, we played 25 games, he played in 15, he missed 10 games along the way somewhere. So, yeah. um, that team, that that postseason, everyone was injured to hell and back, though. Yeah, no and, no Chris Letang. That was the, the postseason of Ron Hainsey. Yeah. Chris Letang didn't play at all. Like you said, Benino broke his foot. Um, who, what else? What else happened in this playoffs <laughs> i mean we were down to carter rowney and tom gunnackle playing consistent time so don't forget scott wilson scott wilson yep <laughs> yep <laughs> he had six points scott yeah. wilson dang all right yeah. yeah that that was also a really interesting team but carl Hagelin, no matter what was an integral part through mm-hmm. both of those runs even if it was just two goals in the second one i mean that one goal is super important right yeah so. Hey, listen, it is it is one of the goals that when you ask, hey, who scored the last goal of the season? That's always a, a nice feather in the cap for anybody. The last goal of an NHL season. If you score that goal, mm-hmm. I mean, nobody can take that away from you. And Hagelin not only was part of that moment, but I mentioned the Benino goal in 2016. And then, of course, his departure was that of just inauspicious decision-making by Jim Rutherford, just basically trying to shock the system of the Pittsburgh Penguins locker room, trading Carl Hagelin to the LA Kings in exchange for Tanner Pearson, a move that when you look back on it was just idiotic to make. It was the start of the downfall to, to Jim Rutherford. Obviously he had made, I believe that the Jack Johnson signing before that, but that was really the continuation of, Oh boy, uh, they're really struggling to keep this ship held together after two Stanley cups. Yeah, it was the downfall of uh, Jim Rutherford, and you know what? It, it it's good that Hagen was able to have a nice long career, even if, like we said, the offensive numbers weren't there. But mm-hmm. um, an awesome career, an awesome player, two time champion, can't take that away from. Him. It sucks that uh, it's an injury that takes him out. Yeah, you never want to see um, a player have to quit be based on injury. Yeah, that and all it also doesn't make things better that part of. Part of what contributed to the injury probably was just uh, his style. That he became pretty well known for the visor tilted all the way up so he could see, and yet it was that visor being up that meant a stick got underneath there. Um, also, even worse that he got injured in a practice. Yeah, like um, there's a lot of background to this that 
that, that sucks, but uh, you know what? It, it, you, you may never have gotten used to seeing him seeing him in a Capitals uniform. But I'm sure Rangers fans never got used to seeing him in a Penguins uniform. That's true. He spent he spent a lot of time in the uh, in the old Metro Division, eh? Yeah. Oh, yes, he did. And here's the thing, too. You know, before he became a Pittsburgh Penguin, I always wanted him to become a Pittsburgh Penguin because while he wasn't the most offensively gifted player when it comes to real life in NHL, he was a really gifted offensive player because he was extremely fast. So I'd always trade for him and Matt Zuccarello off the Rangers onto the Penguins. And then whenever he eventually came to the Pittsburgh Penguins, you know, obviously did not disappoint two Stanley Cups later, including a couple very pivotal moments uh, in both of those runs. So, you know, congratulations on a fantastic career to Carl Hagelin. Um, unfortunate that it ends the way it does, but uh, still a, a tremendous career, several, several years in the National Hockey League and a player that I don't think you're going to find anybody uh, that has a bad word to say about Carl Hagelin, the person, uh, as well as Carl Hagelin, the player. So congratulations. I'm sorry. I guess it's a weird to, to, you know, dichotomy there. Like, I'm sorry it ended this way, but congratulations on a great career. Uh, but, you know, obviously a massive, massive piece to those teams and a massive piece to Pittsburgh Penguins history. Yeah, and how appropriate is it that uh, he and Hornquist are able to retire in the same summer? Yeah, a couple of big uh, pivotal pieces to that team, you know. And Hornquist, you can say what you will, that was probably due to injury as well, all the concussions yeah. that he faced last year in Florida. But, you know, you, you hate to see it end that way, but two guys that you would consider warriors on and off the ice, especially Hornquist, but, you know, Haglin as well. He was a small-bodied guy that got bumped around a, a heck of a lot in his career and was pretty durable um, at that for the most part. Yeah, exactly. So, a couple of Swedes, a couple of two-time champions. It's a perfect, not perfect ending. Sorry, it's a uh, sad ending for the two of them, but you know what? They, uh, they're they linked together forever in Pittsburgh history. Oh, yeah, the two players to score in Game 6 of the 2017 Stanley Cup Finals. But we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we're going to just devote the rest of this episode to international hockey. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. We were talking so much about that 2017 Stanley Cup run, I completely forgot that I put on my uh, Walking on Sunshine shirt on Boulevard of the Allies. Gotta love, we didn't even mention Justin Schultz when we were talking about it. And Justin Schultz was, of course, one of the biggest members of the Pittsburgh Penguins that year with Chris Letang being injured. But um, I digress to that point. What we're looking at now is something that, you know, it's kind of a boy who cried wolf. NHL and the NHLPA looking for a return to international competition. There hasn't been a best-on-best international tournament since the World Cup of Hockey in 2016. There has not been an Olympics with best-on-best international hockey since 2014. And yes, I love World Juniors as much as the next guy. But it is a completely, completely different atmosphere when you got the top guns running for their respective countries. They tried returning to the Olympics post-COVID, but a Christmas outbreak of COVID caused them to cancel plans of attending the Olympics to make sure the season ended on schedule for the NHL. Horwat, what are your thoughts on international best-on-best tournaments in general? I like them. I do like them. I don't like when they're in the... I mean, who doesn't like them? I don't like when they're like in the middle of the season. I always feel weird about, pa- about putting things on pause, kind of doing the thing and coming, but I mean, that's just the way 
an Olympic schedule works and just the way it has to be. Um, it, for what it's worth, what, doing that is a hell of a lot better than trying to sit through an all-star game. So it true. has its bonuses, it has its benefits. Um, but that's just my opinion of it. I just don't like the middle of the season thing. Otherwise, I mean, they're great fun. They're essentially uh, NHL creator rosters, right? Like, that's really what they are. It's what if I took every top player from team from this country, Sweden, Canada, America, on the same team? That's exactly what it is. And, and then, most of the times, it becomes video game hockey. I mean, these guys don't hit because it's not the enforcers on the team. Mm-hmm. It is the high-skill guys that are, you know, trying to... In, in a very short amount of time as well. Uh, commit to winning a gold in some sort of fashion. And it's incredible fun beginning to end. Uh, and it's exciting to see that they're having these discussions again. As for who on the Penguins should be making these teams, those are discussions we'll get into eventually, I'm sure. Uh, but even yeah, in the year 2025, I'd expect a couple. A couple. Yeah, I, I would. I would assume so. Now, here's the thing. I did see one, I don't know if it was Bleacher Report or who it was, somebody put out a Team Canada roster and had Sidney Crosby as the fourth line center. And I was like, come on, guys. Like, I get it. There's a lot of young talent in the NHL, especially Canadian talent in the NHL. Crosby's not a fourth line center. Like, I get that his best bud, his international line mate, Patrice Bergeron, just hung up the skates, but Sidney Crosby's not a fourth liner. Let's, let's, let's put that to bed right now like even if it's in 2026 Sidney Crosby is at the very least a third line center that's what I was gonna say fourth line I was like he's gonna be a third line guy because you're not taking McDavid off that first line you're McKinnon's probably gonna be the second line guy why not Um, put McKinnon and Crosby together just shift McKinnon over to the right side you don't think that would be a great line and then just keep uh Marshy on the left Brad (laughs) Marshawn sorry I don't know why I said Marshy that's all right uh I, you know, we have time to decide those things. That's <laughs> definitely an interesting output as well. I like it because those two playing together is something that I'm sure we've all wanted to see. Hell, I'm just picturing the power play that has Crosby McDavid on it. Like that's what we're all here for, right? That's kind of what we all wanted to see when the World Cup of Hockey came to came to town in uh, 2016. Instead, we had Team North America, which ended up being a ton of fun anyway. And oh yeah! If considering the weird setup of talent, they could probably run that again if they really wanted to in twenty five. But for what it's worth, uh, this is still going to be a ton of fun to watch. And absolutely, Crosby should be on those teams. Gensel should be on those teams. Don't come at me if he shouldn't. Uh, who am I missing? I'm sure we'll get more. Evgeny Malkin. I would assume Eric Carlson's on Team Sweden, regardless. Yeah, Carlson will be on Sweden regardless. As for Malkin, that whole Russian thing needs to get resolved first. Well, yeah, we'll see. if if they can even participate. Although he could join like rest of the world, I'm sure that they would use that if it was World Cup of Hockey yeah. to make sure that a lot of the the Russian players in the NHL are Some able to. Some of the to best players in the league, they'd have to. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to have a tournament like that with Evgeny Malkin and Alex Ovechkin sitting on the sideline. It's just, it's not to mention all the goaltenders, all of the <sighs> goaltenders. Literally, Vasi, what Vasilevsky, Sorokin, Shesterkin—they could run out three teams and still have three top-tier, top, top number-one goaltenders. They, you—you'd be disappointed by some of the goalies they left off of something like that. Like that's Probably. how many good Russian goalies there are right now. Yeah. Transversely, Team Canada, 
I mean, Tristan Jari might, be, might the be the option there. might be a legitimate there. option. You know, it's him, what, him, Carter Hart, and I saw somebody else that's always in the conversation at this point because Carey Price, for the longest time, was the flag bearer in net, and uh, he's no longer, obviously. I mean, if it was, like, this year, I'm not sure where he's at in his injury, you know, prognosis. I don't know if he's he's done-done. I don't remember seeing a retirement, but, you know, obviously not playing at all last season, being put on LTIR. I'm not sure how much juice is left in those legs. I know, and I'm trying to remember that other goalie. But it's usually been Carey Price. Uh, Flurry's just too old for it anymore. Um, the, and the fact that Carter Hart's always the go-to just seems so weird. I, I mean, I get he's probably a really good goalie, but I don't. he hasn't really proved it over the top yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah, he's on a bad Flyers team. Okay, well... The goalie should be the one that helps make it better, right? There, it's not just the fact that he's on a bad team. There have been bad performances of his where mm-hmm. it's just weak goal after weak goal. So it's not just the fact that he's on a bad team, although a lot of it has to be you know, considered because of that. Uh, but before we get too, too deep into a rabbit hole of who's on yes. what roster, uh, you mentioned that you like when it's not in the middle of the season. So you lean towards more of what we saw in 2016 with the World Cup of Hockey, which I'm sure the NHL would prefer much more to sending players to the Olympics time and time again. In my opinion, I think they should do both. I, I think it should be similar to what you see with soccer, where you have Olympics, and then two years later, it's World Cup, and two years later, it's Olympics, because everything's four years offset. I think the NHL should go back to doing that, allowing players to get back to the Olympics. It's something that players have been asking for basically since 2014. I mean, by the time you know the Olympics rolls around again, it's going to be over a decade since NHL players participated in the Olympics. And understandably, there is always concern, but there's always concern when these players go and play in, you know, the beauty league, these summer leagues, even though it's much less intense when they go and play at the, you know, world championships every year, again, much less intense, but still there's always opportunity for injury, no matter what's going on. I mean, they can get injured wakeboarding. Apparently every NHLer likes wakeboarding now. So, don't be, you know, don't live in your fears, as Mike Tallman would say. Go out there, let them play the Olympics, because at the end of the day, that's more exposure for your sport and your league. And the NHL, I, I think, always gets in their own way with that. And I think that's just an easy thing to allow to do to be able to. I, I understand they don't make money off of it, but it's an easy thing to do to allow the sport to grow. So I, I would say do both. Um, but I do like the idea of bringing back the World Cup on a consistent basis as well. Yeah, it was a ton of fun uh, that time around. I mean, even if you do keep making that North America team or not, that was a hell of a story to watch. Oh, yeah. That overtime with them in Sweden, mm-hmm. uh, I always go back to that one as, well, that was probably one of the best overtimes I've ever seen. That was kind of the birth of the three-on-three overtime. And I was sitting, I can remember where I was watching it. I was sitting with a buddy of ours, James, who doesn't watch hockey. And I think I've told this story in the podcast about a thousand times. Um, even he was like, well, that was incredible to watch. <laughs> so it's the kind of thing that'll grow the sport as well. Mm-hmm. So bring all of it back, bring all of the international play back and solve, wor- solve world peace through hockey. Why not? <laughs> yeah. I, that's, you know, that's, that's a strong, strong <laughs> hope there for what, but uh, I, I, I agree with the sentiment. World peace is, is good. Hockey being the thing that gets it there debatable but I, I could see it I could see it a, a little bit of the forest through the trees there but 
we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue talking about international hockey, but more with a Penguins lens on it. If the Pittsburgh Penguins had a three-on-three tournament with their players split up into their own respective countries, who would win? We'll answer that right after the break. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. If you want to read anything about the Pittsburgh Penguins, keep up to date with all of the news by the minute, you should bookmark InsideThePenguins.com. And while you're at it, if you like what you're listening to here, subscribe on wherever you get your podcasts from, rate, review, we'd love to hear from you. And if you're on YouTube watching us, then make sure you subscribe, like, comment, share, all that fun stuff because uh, the Pittsburgh Penguin season's right around the corner. And I'm extremely excited about this season. It is going to be like Cirque de Soleil, Harlem Globetrotters-esque watching Eric Carlson on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Every once in a while, I remember that he's on this team and I just go, oh yeah, that's right. This is going to be fun. So uh, it, it's going to be intriguing to see how it all pans out this season across the entire NHL. But Penguins getting Eric Carlson, man, that... There could be nothing done more to make Penguins fans more excited about the 2023-24 season, other than maybe bringing in Connor Hellebuck for nothing. What about Thomas Tatar still out there? How I mean, about... that would be nice, but, you know, Carlson's a step above. Yeah, we're, it's this team's pretty much set. And like I keep telling people whenever they ask, what, are they, what do I think of Carlson? Hey, I can't predict the future, so I'm not able to add into what kind of play he's going to bring. But you know what he's going to do? He's going to make the team fun. He's going to help the bottom line. He's going to sell jerseys. He's going to sell tickets. He's going to sell apparel, everything. So business will be booming. And you know you know what else he could do? Play internationally. Uh, he could play internationally, which is a nice little segue, Horwat, to our final segment of the show here today. Talking about a Penguin-centric three-on-three tournament with international play. we got four teams here. Team USA, Team Canada, Team Sweden, and team rest of the world because there's no other country that has that many players in the Penguins organization at the top level. Team USA is Jake Gensel, Brian Rust, Chad Ruweedle, and Alex Nedeljkovic. Really strong up front. Yeah. Really strong up front. A lot of speed, a lot of talent, and a lot of pressure on uh, Chad Ruweedle to make sure that he is able to cover his assignment in the defensive zone when you get ready to look at the rest of these teams. Yeah, just looking down even through the prospects or depth options, there isn't many American defensive options. No. Uh, uh, so. Jack St. Ivany, I think, is an American option there. But All right. um, I would still take Ruedel over him. I, I didn't look at Mark Pesic. Should have looked at Mark Pesic. That, that could be... That could be the new addition. I'm not sure of his nationality. We'll have to look that up really quickly. If you could do that while I read out Team Canada, who is Team Canada, you know, traditionally, Sidney Crosby, Riley Smith, Chris Letang, and Tristan Jari. That's pretty stacked. It's a, it's a pretty solid roster to go off of right there. Yeah, as always, when it comes to picking from Team Canada, there's always great players left off. Oh, also, yeah. uh, Pissick from Alberta, Canada. So there you go. Never mind. <laughs> um, it is what it is. Uh, yeah, there's always great players left off when it comes to Team Canada selecting 
Mm -hmm. right? And this one you could really dip into the depth if you wanted to. If you wanted to toss in a sample land, if you genuinely were that interested. Uh, Ryan Graves. Ryan Graves is a good option. Yeah. Um, if you really wanted to, you know what? Uh, Ty Smith is down there. Yep. But it's still a solid lineup, and Sidney Crosby just carries all else when it comes to this. Yeah, there would be a couple of very interesting games in this three-on-three tournament here, definitely, uh, to say the least. The dark horse of this tournament, I think, would be Team Sweden. Ooh, you yeah. have Ricard Raquel. You have Eric Carlson, who is clearly playing a forward position in this. Marcus Pedersen and Magnus Helberg in net. That's a dark horse if I've ever seen one. That is. You, you need Helberg to get hot at the right time. <laughs> but Yeah, but he also has two defensemen out there at all times. He does. Oh, yeah, he does. Yeah, that's... Ah, basically forward Eric Carlson. You just tell him to go play up. But yeah, that's <laughs> that is a dark horse candidate and quite fun considering the amount of talent coming from Sweden these days. It's just being added to, and the Penguins are lucky to have a couple of very good Swedish uh, stars. Marcus Pedersen's primed for a great season. I mean, so so too, I think, is Ricard Raquel. That's somebody that I don't think we talk nearly enough about. And maybe we'll have to do a, devote an entire segment to him in the lead-up to training camp. But Ricard Raquel had a tremendous first full season with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Heading into year two, you would have to imagine it only gets better, right? Like, Mike Sullivan hopefully has learned from last season and knows, oh, okay, don't take Ricard Raquel off the top line with Sidney Crosby. Just <laughs> leave those two cook, and good things will happen especially now that you consider hopefully Brian Rust bounces back so you don't have to worry about leveling things out in the top six. But no, Ricard Raquel, Eric Carlson, Marcus Pedersen, Magnus Helberg, solid, solid team for Team Sweden. And then Team Rest of the World. We can call them Team Europe if we want. Evgeny Malkin, Lars Eller, Valtteri Pustinen, and Joel Blomqvist. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of defense uh, to be had there I guess Lars Eller might have to be kind of the the stay-at-home option there with Valtteri Pustin and Evgeny Malkin playing up literally looked through the entirety of the Penguins organization and I would have rather put Pustin in there than any of the defensemen that are rest of the world there's not it's slim pickings yeah when it comes to the top level defense defense at least slim I've heard good things about Emil P oh boy here we go Pen and an enemy <laughs> and an enemy Nemo our former third-round draft pick, sorry, former our most recent third-round draft pick. I've heard some good things about him. There's a Finnish defenseman. I'm assuming he's Finnish. That's a he yes, good. he's Finnish. So there's an option if you really needed a defenseman back there. Um, and I would, you would hope you do. You would assume you do need one because Joel Blomquist is still growing into his own in net. But you know what? Hey. It's it's just impressive we were able to, able to fill out these rosters in a completely international mindset. Yeah, I, I think that when you look at these four teams, Team Canada is clearly the the powerhouse here, the team that everybody's going to bet on. But we want to hear from you, the listener. Either if you're on YouTube, it's easy. Just leave a comment. Who do you think would win in a classic international round-robin-style tournament between these four teams? Again, Team USA, Gensel, Rust, Ruedel with Nedeljkovic in net. Team Canada, Crosby, Smith, Latang, Riley Smith, I should clarify Chris Letang Tristan Jari team Sweden is Ricard Raquel Eric Carlson Marcus Pedersen and Magnus Helberg and then team Europe is Evgeny Malkin Lars Eller Valtteri Pustinen and Joel Blomqvist which team wins Horwat 
your official pick for this would be Team Canada? I believe so, yes. Having you know what? The... I'm going to roll with the Dark Horse just simply because we're not going to get the answer. I'm going to roll with the Dark Horse in Team Sweden. That's fair. That's a lot of fun. And I, you know, rolling with Team Canada because when it's down to three on three, you need the you need a stout goalie. That's You're going to be facing a ton of offense. And I'd say having the starter on the team pushes you over the top does a very good thing for uh, defense in a tournament styled like this that we're never going to see. But um, <laughs> you never know. Mike Sullivan might listen to this podcast and say, you know what? You know, training camp today. The rest of you take the day off. We're going to have a little bit of fun. <laughs> the rest of you take the day off. <laughs> the, the, the ones of you that uh, need to be practicing. Uh, no, it's... but And plus, it's Team Canada in hockey. It, yeah. That's like the worst bet you can make when you open your sports book. It's, it's the obvious answer. It's the one that happens more often than not. Team USA is obviously clearly growing in size to the point of... You know, Jay Gensel might not be on a legitimate roster whenever that all comes around, uh, but obviously he's leading the Penguins international team for Team USA and could also be a decent option. Yeah, center Jake Gensel. It's been a while since we've seen that. But like I said, let us know whether it's in the comments or let us know on Iceberg Podcast on Twitter as well. Again, that's at Iceberg Podcast. Which team do you think will win? We'll put out a poll that puts these teams down and let us know what you think. We'll talk about it on next Tuesday's episode. But Horwat, it's going to be September tomorrow. We're getting close to the NHL season. If I had to say, and we're just throwing this in here at the end really quickly, the thing you're most excited to watch in training camp, what is it? In training camp, it's going to be all those battles for death positions. If I had to pick out one specifically, uh, I guess I'll shoot to that defense just because Mark Pissick made things really interesting. Um, there's going to be battles all over the place. Will Alex Nylander come up and steal a spot somewhere? Can one of the prospects do that? Uh, who impresses the most when it comes to that that def- that open defensive spot? Can someone just who's likely to start in the minors steal it? There's all kind of weird things that can happen, all kind of storylines to watch a lot of it will just be centered around um those depth options and who's stealing roster spots mm-hmm. intrigued to see what the preseason games will bring us as well mm-hmm. yeah preseason hockey is typically not too intriguing you know it, it's similar to preseason football in that you get to the first one you're like all right pre preseason hockey hockey's back and then you watch that game and you're like okay i don't need to watch another one of these but preseason you know, unless you're covering the team you know, unless you're covering the team, then you have to watch them. But uh, regardless, my thing to watch for, the thing I'm most excited for, two words, one name, Eric Carlson. And with that, we're out of here for this one. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll see you next week.